Hello, this is Eric Schultz for Jersey Arts, the podcast. Conductor Rossin Milanoff has recently been appointed the new music director of the Princeton Symphony. I chatted with him last week at Princeton University's Alexander Hall, while obviously enthusiastic musicians arrived to warm up for the rehearsal. He talked about juggling four orchestra jobs at once and his early path to becoming a conductor. I began by asking about his new post in Princeton. I'm very excited because uh, as I was driving this morning from Philadelphia and you approach this absolutely unique town of Princeton, uh, it's, you, you, you're over, absolutely overwhelmed by, by, the, uh, by the beauty, by the, by the sense of uh, history here, by the sense of tradition. And then here we are in the lobby of the Richardson Hall, uh, another, I think, absolute masterpiece, uh, not only because of the architecture on the outside, but because of the acoustics inside. And uh, I'm about to start my, uh, so to speak, third rehearsal with, with the orchestra, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great honor for me to, uh, to really be part of uh, this symphony. It, it has established itself as the premier institution of the town of Princeton. It has some wonderful musicians. It has uh, a, a board of supporters and loyal audience that do not leave even a single seat empty in this home. That's of nice. The symphony here, nice? Richardson, and it's uh, it, it's something that I'm looking very much forward to because, uh, in my opinion, not only the orchestra is first rate, but also uh, the town of Princeton. Uh, has this uh, unique intellectual curiosity that I would, that I would like to use as a, as a description of, of the city that uh, uh, allows me to, uh, to perhaps uh, not only do concerts that, that would feature great music, but perhaps bring something new, bring something that, that will match that curiosity of the town. You are involved in a lot of different orchestras. Could you give me a sense of what, what you're doing at this time? I mean, you run from one thing to the next. How do you even do it all? <laughs> yes, I'm involved uh, with, uh, with a number of orchestras, and uh, I have been involved with a number of orchestras for the last 12 years. And uh, it, it had ranged anywhere between two and five at a certain point. Now I think I'm at a, at a happy medium, where, which is four. I have, uh, of course, a big responsibility with the Philadelphia Orchestra, where I am the associate conductor and also the artistic director of their summer season at the Mann Center. Uh, then the, the second orchestra that I've been affiliated the longest with is the New Symphony Orchestra in my home country, Bulgaria. The third orchestra is the other orchestra here in New Jersey, in the state of New Jersey and it's Symphony in C down in Camden, formerly known as the Haddonfield Symphony, and now with, with the Princeton job. This is job number four. But I don't like to necessarily put numbers on them. I think it's very important for a person that shares more than one job to make sure that each organization feels that they're their top priority. And I've, I've been asked many times, how can you do it? And you ask me too. And this is, this is my philosophy. This is how I do it. I don't grade them. I, I make sure that each organization feels that they're number one. And uh, what I have to do to accomplish that, of course, puts a very big demand on, on, on my schedule, on, on, on my uh, personal life even. But um, it's, it's something that I feel is very important. Uh, could you give me a sense of your path to becoming a conductor? How does one 
become a conductor? When do you decide that? Uh, were you five years old? I was six years old when I started playing an instrument and I think the path to becoming a conductor is certainly through mastering a musical instrument first because uh, being a conductor means that you, you have to know a lot about everything that has anything to do with music and uh, the only way you could get deep enough in, in, into the art of music is to master an instrument to make sure that you could actually recreate uh, what we do at my stage now without necessarily having to play an instrument while I'm conducting. But, what was your uh, instrument? I started playing violin. Violin was my first instrument when I was six years old, but I also did a, a, a fair amount of singing because a couple of years later I joined a very prestigious children's choir in my home country, Bulgaria, and uh, uh, I technically, by the age of 15, I, I had been on four different continents and uh, with big concert tours in places such as Japan, Cuba, Mexico, and all over Europe, uh, several times in the, uh, uh, the, 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 the former uh, socialist uh, republic of uh, USSR. And um, it was something that really gave me a, a very interesting idea of what the life of a performing artist could be, and I loved every single moment of it. I, I loved having the opportunity to be uh, on stage and I loved the audiences, I learned how to perform and it was something that I always wanted to do and I could not imagine my life without, without that performance element in it. And later on when I lost my, my voice, when my voice changed to, uh, to what you hear now, <laughs> and I could assure you that as a boy I had much prettier voice, uh, I missed it very much, the singing, so uh, I, a friend of mine suggested that I, I pick up the oboe, which apparently became the instrument in which I got the most proficient in. And uh, the oboe reminded me of the voice that I didn't have anymore. So I picked up the oboe and uh, eventually I got a master's degree in oboe, both uh, from uh, the National Conservatory in Bulgaria and also here from Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. And, uh, but to get back to your original question, I always wanted to be a conductor because I felt that there was something more than being just a one-line player. And as a violinist, as an oboe player, as a singer, all you could do is you depend on a lot of what's going on around you. You play only one line. But as a conductor, it gives you an opportunity to, to really experience the music in all its complexity. And not only that, but uh, when you play an instrument or when you use the voice, you might have wonderful ideas. You might have uh, a lot of things to say, but you're always limited to what you could do technically. If your fingers are developed up to a certain point and you have a great idea about the piece, you're going to be limited by what you could do physically. And when you play, when you actually partner with an orchestra in capacity of being a conductor, you, you don't feel that you're connected in a such a material way to your own abilities of playing an instrument because you have other people that provide the actual sound for you. All you need to do is 
to inspire them and to make sure that you, 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 get, you get them to play not only with, with their hands perfectly, but you get them to play with their hearts. And I think this is what makes a big difference. And I think this is perhaps what, what is the secret of what a good conductor is. Could you give me an example of a way physically you communicate as a conductor? That's such a mystery to so many people. I don't think it's got to do anything with, with the physicality because the more I think about it and the more I watch the videos of, of great conductors, not only from the past but even from the present, you see that perhaps what's on the outside, which is the actual gestures, the actual sign language that they use to communicate their ideas. Uh, people get used to it pretty much within the first five minutes of the rehearsal and then what they look for is that other thing that we were talking about, the inspiration, the insight, the, uh, uh, the creating, creating an opportunity that everyone could give their best during the performance. And I don't think this comes that much from the hands. I think this comes more from, from, from the eyes. It comes from from how transparent you could make yourself to, to the orchestra and how they could, they could see that you deeply care about what you do and that you have something that you would like to share and then you would like to do it through them, which is more important because there are a lot of people that would like to share something but they would like to share directly with the audience. And being a conductor, you always have to understand that. So how does that make you Your feel partner. on the stage? Oh, it, 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 it's the greatest feeling because on one hand you have great power because obviously you could control what's happening on stage, at least the timing of it. That you know that if you're going to lift your hands down there is going to be a sound. And depending on how you do it, it could be very gentle, very beautiful, or, or it could be absolutely uh, massive and powerful and, uh, and uh, very, very imposing. So you have that power and the, the thing is how exactly you use that and how you don't abuse it and, uh, and also how you make people give because it's all about being emotionally generous, not only for you as a conductor but for the musicians as well. They have to give you their best. And there is nothing worse than being in an orchestra when the musicians do not want to play for the conductor. You could hear it from the very first moment. It's, it's a relationship that, that, that has so much negativity that, that it almost projects itself into the result that uh, is, is, is the result of this collaboration. And so I would say that for me the secret is that. For me the secret is to make sure that you, you, you really create an opportunity for, for your players to express themselves, themselves fully. For more information on the arts in New Jersey, including upcoming concerts with Rosin Milanoff, the Princeton Symphony, and the Symphony in C, visit jerseyarts.com. Jersey Arts the Podcast is a production of State of the Arts. Watch it on NJN Public Television Thursday evenings at 8 and on NJN 2 weekdays at 5 and 11. Individual stories can be seen anytime on NJN.net.
The New Jersey State Council on the Arts is proud to co-produce State of the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence in the arts since 1966. Additional support was provided by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, supporting cultural, educational, and environmental initiatives that make our world more livable.